Hello everyone, welcome to the monologue. Uh, before we begin, go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to help me beat the YouTube algorithms. And before I get into this, uh, this is going to be a special episode. Um, I did say that one of my company's primary goals was to try to help solve some of our political woes, especially as a nation of the United States. Uh, if you're in Europe, you're SOL. No. Um, but th actually, this would actually be good for uh, the United States and Europe if they would actually listen to it. But I seriously doubt that. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and get into this. I've been doing a lot of extensive reading. And one of the things I've come across is a particular book that I think should be mandatory reading in school. It should be in every single household in the United States, especially. Because... I haven't found it anywhere else, and I'm surprised that we got neglected by this. But the book is this, okay? I'm kind of bringing it out here a little bit so y'all can see this. This is A Miracle That Changed the World, The 5,000-Year Leap. And it's written uh, very well, I might add. And it was written by an ex-communist. So that ought to give you an idea for a second. Uh, what the liberals probably don't know is this. Uh, because it was written by an ex-liberal, somebody that was on the left who came to the right. Now, that's not how it happened, actually. But I feel that this is probably one of those things that it presents itself as a natural solution. It presents itself as something that we could do to help dim the tide of our degeneration. Um, America has been degenerating ever since uh, the 1950s. America is in decline. We are on the way out. I know that's kind of disturbing to hear, but it's a simple fact. So we're going to go ahead and get into the nitty-gritty of all this. And there are 28 principles that this book espouses, 28 of them. And all 28 of them have something to do with our heritage, something to do with what we were. Not what we are, what we were. And so let's go ahead and just fire them off, we're going to fire all 28 of them, and then I want to kind of, instead of giving you the entire, I could give you the entire list and overview, and I could do, I'll do that as a secondary video, just kind of like a little, a skirt, just labeling the principles for everybody, but I want to talk about each one of these principles in lieu of what we are dealing with right now. So the very first principle, and if you really want to sum all of this, sum all of this up, this is your entire government civic class in, hopefully, in one hour. My goal is to do this all in one hour. I know the electricity is kind of wonky here. I apologize. But let's go ahead and get into it. The very first principle, the very first one, principle number one, the only reliable basis for sound government and just human relations is natural law. By natural law, I mean God's law. I'm talking about the Judeo-Christian God, not Islam, not the Shinto or Confucius or Buddha, or even those other ones that are not so cave characteristics of, of the devil. Okay, none of that garbage. I'm talking about Judeo-Christian, as in Christ, as in Jesus, that one. Now, there are certain laws which govern the entire universe. This is this, you know, we call this physics, we can call this whatever you want, but it exists. It's self-evident. And just as, Tom, just as 
Thomas Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence, there are laws which govern in the affairs of men which are laws of nature and of nature's God. Now, I probably just pissed off a lot of liberals there because I'm talking about God, and that's fine. They are, they are actually mentioned in this, believe it or not, in the 28 principles. They, are, they got their own little uh, thing going on, but we'll get to them eventually. Principle number two, a free people cannot survive under a Republican Constitution unless they main, remain virtuous and morally strong. Does anybody want to take a guess why? You see, you can be free. You can have all the freedom you want, but without restraint, you're going to, be, you're going to have masters. Without restraint, you'll be addicted to alcohol, cocaine, heroin, porn, uh, drugs. You just pick your poison. There's millions of them. Gluttony, for example. I can't stop eating cake. Hey, fatty, maybe you should turn it off. Go on a wait, you know. Go on a uh, you know, a fast. It helps. I know I should be talking, right? But listen, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom, because freedom isn't just to do whatever you want. Like the whole anarchy burger. If you think you're free, go into a deli and urinate in the cheese. No, that's not freedom. That's animalism. That's stupidity. That dumb. You can have freedom, but freedom must be controlled by your own sense of self-government. You can have cake, just don't eat a shitload of it. You can have a beer, don't drink the whole keg. You can have a shot of Jack Daniel, don't down the whole bottle. Moderation. I know you probably just heard that and probably made some noises. But, anyway, a, a virtuous people are only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. And as nations become corrupt and vicious, they will have need of more masters. Uh, anybody paid attention to our federal government lately? How fat it is? As I said before, America began her decline in the 1950s. Why the 1950s? Because that's when we got rid of prayer in school. That's when we took the Bible out of school. And you will find that, as I list the principle, it will also be mentioned. Principle number three. The most promising method of securing a virtuous people is to elect virtuous leaders. Gee, I don't know. Has anybody paid attention to our leaders lately? They're not very virtuous. No, nah, the scum of the earth, they want power. They don't care. The handful of virtuous people that do try to go are the ones that get in and then get hammered by everybody else. People like Ron Paul. Yeah, I said Ron Paul. People like Senator Rand Paul. People like Ted Cruz. People who are principled enough to stand the tide and say, look, you guys are freaking idiots. Stop doing this stuff. But here's why it is required. And here's what most people don't understand when you're electing uh, to have securing a virtuous people is to have virtuous leaders. You can't have virtuous leaders without virtuous people. Hence the, the earlier one that I talked about, which you cannot 
have a Republican constitution unless you have a virtuous and morally strong population because of who you're going to elect. You elect people like Joe Biden who can't remember if he shot himself. People who talk about viral gun control in the state, uh, in the state of the Union address when you know it's a lie right out of hell. But let me go ahead and explain what they were referring to. Neither the widest constitution nor the widest law will secure the liberty and the happiness of a people whose manners are universally corrupt. Duh! Probably because the people who are universally corrupt are going to be the ones that seek power. Why? Because it only corrupts them more. And any virtuous person that thinks about getting into public office goes, uh-uh, 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 I'll lose my soul. Uh-uh. Why would a virtuous people want to lead a nation of idiots? Why would a virtuous people want to lead a nation of corrupt individuals? They wouldn't. They would hang back. They would kind of mind their own business. Kind of keep to themselves. Maybe run at local offices and that's it. They would never bother with the limelight of being a national politician. Because a truly virtuous person knows uh, I really don't want to be hammered. I really don't want to have to, to uh, lay on my own sword, so to speak. Now, I want to go ahead and get back to this universally corrupt. Okay. He, therefore, is the truest friend to the liberty of his country who tries the most to promote its virtue and who will not suffer a man to be chosen into any office of power and trust who is not a wise and virtuous man. In other words, he will not suffer the wrath of fools. People like uh, Nancy Pelosi? It's okay for me, but not okay for you? They spend the money like no tomorrow? Just so you know, uh, that's also mentioned in here as one of the principles. Principle number four. Without religion, the government of a free people cannot be maintained. And I'm not talking about any religion. I'm talking about Judeo-Christian. And they probably, the, the author should have made that clear. And I think it becomes more evident as time passes, especially if you read the book that I'm recommending. Of all the dispositions and the habits which lead a political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. And let us caution the indulge the, super, uh, the superstition that morality can be maintained without religion. Okay, for those of you in the not-so-educated class, basically, to put it simple, you cannot separate morality and religion. For example, the religion of Islam is very, very different from the religion of Christianity. Very different. Its morals are different. In Islam, conquering your neighbors and killing them and everything and subjecting them and taking their money and all that is okay. Economic warfare is practiced. Not free trade. Um, just, and I'm just, and that's just one. I can go into Shinto, I can go into Confucius, I can go into Wiccan and Voodooism and all that other garbage. I'm not going to do that for, for the, this particular sake. What I'm saying is Morality only comes from religion. You get rid of religion, you get rid of morality. 
Anybody notice what the atheists are doing? Listen, when you have atheism, okay, and they're, and they're also mentioned in this, but when you have atheism, they don't believe in a hereafter. They don't believe that life continues. They don't believe in eternal judgment nor punishment nor reward for that matter. They believe that this is it. And if this is it, not only is that a sad state of affairs, but it means everything becomes permissible. At that point, it's survival of the fittest. You might as well rape, pillage, and kill because there's no tomorrow. There's no judgment. There's no reward. That's what the atheists think. And as a result, they are willing to, whatever serves the greater good, the end justifies the means mentality. They are the ones that make people like Hitler happen. They are the people that make Stalin happen, Chairman Mao happen, the Cameron Rouge happen, Rwanda genocide happen. Because to them, it's serving the greater good, whatever that is. Right now, it's global warming, so we need to exterminate 90% of the population. That's atheism in a nutshell for you. They don't care, to them, whatever society says is good, is what is good. Not that there's a moral law, not there's natural laws, or things that are endowed in nature that naturally tell us that that's a good, that's not good. Okay? When somebody steals something for you, I don't care if it's a loaf of bread or a feather pillow, but I feel a little, something inside me says that's wrong. The atheist would tell you, well, that's for the greater good. Let them steal the bread. Uh, anybody paid attention to what's going on in California? You can steal up to $1,000 and walk away. You go into any Walgreens, just rob the store clean. As long as you don't take more than $1,000, just walk on out. Nobody's going to stop you. That's atheism. That's what it is. It's lawlessness. It's free. It's freedom. Freedom without restraint is a purifier path to hell itself. But let's get on. Let's move on from this. Principle number five. All things were created by God. Therefore, upon him, all mankind are equally dependent and to him are equally responsible. Once again, you have the, a focal point, a focal point to God, not atheism, not the garbage they push in our, in our colleges or in our classrooms. There's more to life than what biology dictates. There's more to life than what we think there is. And the founding fathers knew this. The American founding fathers considered the existence of the creator as the most fundamental premise underlining all self-evident truth. They felt a person who boasted he or she was an atheist had simply failed to apply his or her divine capacity for reason and observation. <laughs> Duh! No joke. That's pretty much what it is. Atheism in a nutshell is people who don't have the ability to reason. That's how they think of something so stupid like transgenderism. Or abortions. Because for them, this is it. How sad. That's actually very tragic when you got to consider the fact that the majority of the whole planet as a whole has this sensation or knowledge 
that this isn't all there is. And yet they want to say, you know what the Bible calls them? Stupid. The Bible calls them dumb. They're called foolish. They're called idiots. Why? Because they don't see what's right in front of them. The evidence, the self-evidence that certain things are unalienable. We'll get into that too. Here's one that every atheist likes to point fingers at and say, how dare they say this? All mankind were created equal. Now, we're not talking about the size of your wang in the locker room or the size of your bodacious tatas. No, we're not talking about that at all. We're talking about that everybody is equal before God. Everybody is equal before the law. Everybody is equal in their rights. Life, liberty, property. And we'll get into this later, but just to kind of give you the overview of principle number six, that all mankind were created equal. We're not talking about your physical creation. We're talking about something a little bit more trans transcendent than just your physical body. We're talking about your personality, your personhood. You are equal before God. You are equal before the law. You should be. If, unless uh, you're in the modern age where you can buy the judges and the jury. And you're equal in their rights. Means you have certain rights that are born inbred into you. Principle number seven. The proper role of government is to protect equal rights, not to provide equal things. Hello, communists. Paying attention? You are afforded equal opportunity to make a success. But that does not guarantee equal outcome. Like you guys want. In fact, if you try to guarantee equal outcome, you're going to lose the productivity. Nobody wants to work for chump things. Make everybody work for chump things, and the idea that they will never exceed any further than point A, simply because everything I make thereafter gets taken to give to somebody else, uh, I got news for you. You're not going to want to do it anymore. You're going to lose your incentive. Oh, well, he's, his incentive should be that he's caring about the greater good. Right. And what greater good is there than for me to make money so that I can hire people and lift them up out of poverty? They themselves can't work. They could try. They could get a job working minimum wage. And they'll never get beyond minimum wage because they know that there's somebody out there who will accept minimum wage. You know... It's that stuff that just drives me crazy. Let's move on. Principle number eight. Mankind are endowed by God with certain unalienable rights. And I've already touched all three of them. Life, liberty, property. But most people don't understand why. To give basic, I'm going to give you the basics. If I take your life, I have murdered you. If I take your liberty, I have enslaved you. If I take your property, I have stolen from you. That's the principle of liberty right there. Life, liberty, property. Now, everybody says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Constitution says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right, because the original draft said property, but everybody mistakenly thought black people were property. We had to have a civil war to solve that. So, 
let me just put it in, uh, for to somebody who's a bit more articulate than myself, William Blackstone, as he said, those rights then would God and nature have established and therefore called natural rights, such as life and liberty, need not to need not the aid of human laws to be more effectually invested in every man than they are. Neither do they receive any additional strength when declared by the uh, multiple or state laws to be involatable, or inviolatable, really. On the contrary, no human legislation has the power to abridge or destroy them unless the owner of the right shall himself commit some act that amounts to a forfeiture. In this translation, you steal, you go to prison. You murder, you go to prison. There are certain laws, if they violate one of those three, life, liberty, property, if you violate one of those three, you have violated somebody else's right and therefore forfeit your own. Simple. Not very complex. Principle number nine. To protect human rights, God has revealed a code of divine law. Really? You mean to tell me that God, the creator of the universe, actually came up with a law? Thought the Bible. Yeah, by the way, this is actually, I can't find copies of this. I would have loved to buy more for everybody, uh, namely my family and my friend, because this has stuff like this in there, written by the people who founded this country, on top of the Bible itself which is based on the Geneva Bible, not King James. A big difference. Anyway, um, the fabric of the American... Actually, no, wait, let me go back. One more. Okay. So, principle number nine. To protect human rights, God has revealed a code of divine law. For those who don't know, it's the Ten Commandments, but we'll get into that later. The doctrine thus de uh, delivered, we call the revealed or divine law, and they are to be found only in the Holy Scriptures. The precepts, when revealed, are found by comparison to be a really part of the original law of nature as they tend in all their consequences to man's felicity, William Blackstone. Once again, a very smart intellectual lawyer who wrote Black Law Dictionary. He actually kind of, we still use that dictionary even today when discussing law. Principle number 10. The God-given right to govern is vested in the sovereign authority of the whole people. Really? Really? Is that the case? Because I haven't been paying attention lately. It seems like a bunch of morons out in the West or in the East, depending on where you are, um, are running the whole damn show. The fabric of the American empire ought to rest on the solid basis of the consent of the people. The streams of national power ought to flow immediately from that pure original fountain of all legislative authority. And this is from Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, translation, every, that, the foundation of what we call democracy. And as I will explain later, not very far later, but there's a, uh, um, probably maybe two or three more principles, and I will discuss exactly what I mean by that. Principle number 11. The majority of the people may alter or abolish a government which has become tyrannical. I thought I just heard a teardrop. Was that a liberal crying? Did we accidentally step on some toes? 
Because maybe, I don't know, has anybody noticed the government's a little dictatorial lately? Or tyrannical? Are we there yet? Are we there at the point where we decide, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe uh, uh, we don't need the federal government that much anymore. I'm just saying. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light or transient causes. Wait a minute, what? You mean to tell me that we can't just change it to, to give trans people rights? No, you can't. In fact, leave that to the local level, this anything at all. In fact, what you ought to do is build asylums and put them in there. But never mind, let's move on. But when a long train of abuses and reputation eviscerate a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, translation, to push you under the boot of a tyrannical government or make you a slave, serfdom. For those who don't know what that is, look at communism. Look at uh, the most modern example I can think of right now. Right, let's go ahead and go with Saddam Hussein, Kim Jong-un, uh, Xi Jinping. I can keep going. Vladimir Putin. Now the question is, is actually that Putin or Putin? Got to go, gotta go one way or the other. Now, or Justin Trudeau, for those of you who are in Canuck or Canada. Uh, now, I kind of realized I just said a racial slur calling the Canadian Canucks, but <laughs> I'm just trying to put out the simple fact that you guys are under a tyrannical boot. America is rapidly approaching that point. And if we do nothing, we're going to get our butt handed to us. It is, now, this is what they said about us, and this is Principle 11. It is their right. This is the people. It is the people's right. It is their duty to throw off such government. In other words, to battle against such government, to push them off, to f get rid of the oppressive regime, and to provide new guards for the future security. Now, for those of you who don't might they might translate into, oh, I don't know, um, an insurrection that they want to go ahead and tell you and say, hey, remember uh, January 6th? Yeah, okay. That was not an insurrection, you freaking moron. If it was a true insurrection, Congress would have been burnt to the ground and all of D.C. with it. People are not that stupid. People want to use the law to solve the problem. They understand that you don't change government for light or transient causes, like they do in France, like they do in Germany, like they do in Italy. You know that America is the longest-running constitution in the world? It has one government. It has never been changed. One. Why do you think that is? Because we understand you don't change it for light or transient causes. Don't change it for this generation's cause, because I guarantee you, the next generation won't give a shit about this generation's cause. It really won't. Whatever change you make has to be generational. It has to apply four generations down the line, five generations down that line. They have to have as much benefit as the generation that fought for it. For example, the black, uh, black right to vote, women's right to vote, that has a a generational impact. It lasts beyond just the generation that passed it. 
That's the point. You don't change it for just that generation. You change it for all the generations proceeding thereafter. I don't know. We're getting kind of creepy now because we've got a massive overbloated government. That's because we have become corrupted uh, people. We have become an unruly set of people and therefore are in need of more masters. Now, let's go ahead and move on to principle number 12. The United States of America shall be called a republic. Actually, I take that back. The United States of America shall be a republic, not a democracy. I hate it when people say America is a democracy. We are not a democracy. And here is the reason. Not only do, do, do y'all remember the Pledge of Allegiance, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. Uh, one nation under God, indivisible and with liberty and justice for all. Nah, everybody kind of forgot that. We kind of just said, well, it's liberty if only the government allows it. It's justice only if you don't pay off the judge. Uh, oh, right. And it's under Canada and above Mexico. What? That's the stupid morons that we deal with. But they want to say, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the democracy for which it stands, one nation under Canada, above Mexico, uh, divisible, <laughs> uh, enslaved. I mean, you can get, figure out how, how that's going to read out. That doesn't read out very well. And why a republic? Why a republic? Why not a democracy? What's wrong with democracy? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you your civic class in college. I'm going to take college civic class and I'm going to boil it down to about two minutes. Democracy is the shortest effectual government in history. The closest thing we have to it in our history as a world are the city-states of Greece. They were democracies. They would cobble together all the people and they would all... They, they, uh, vote by commission, if you will. Everybody would have their piece to say, and they would all vote via commit. Uh, a, a commission would assign, okay, everybody does this, or whatever. It was very ineffectual, and the degeneration of democracy become mobocracy. Well, what's mobocracy? Well, mobocracy says, if 51% says the 49% are a problem, the 51% get the majority rule and can do whatever they want to the 49%. That's what mobocracy is. But once again, that democracy, it degenerates into mobocracy, we also know as, oh, socialism. Another, another easy way to say it. Society cobbling together all its resources and all deciding in unison what they want. In other words, mob rule. Now, we have the second part of this, which is the aristocrat. The aristocrats are landowners. They, they're kind of wealthy. They employ people to work under them. But when they degenerate, they degenerate into oligarchies, concentrating power into just a handful of few families. We don't have to look far in our history to find that. You can find it in feudal Japan. You can find that in Europe. You can find that even here, parts in the United States, 
at different times during her years, especially if you remember the robber baron during the banking era. So, oligarchies, people remember the Rothschild, and, you know, those guys, um, that's the oligarchy. Now, we also have another one that goes under that, monarchy. Now, I list these in the most unstable to the most stable. Monarchies have the longest history reign of success, meaning that they don't change very easily. They're very difficult to dislodge. But when they degenerate, they degenerate into dictatorships or a tyrannical system. Now, once again, Republic is not listed there. Why not? Why is Republic not listed there? I'm going to tell you, if you have democracy, the degeneration is mobocracy. If you have aristocrats, the wealthy, they degenerate into oligarchy. When you have monarchy, they degenerate into dictatorships. Now, how do you prevent the degeneration? Well, if you cobble them together and you keep them fighting amongst themselves, they really don't degenerate. They tend to regenerate. Okay? So, I'm going to give you an example of what happens if you mix all three of those. The very first one, democracy, if you add democracy to aristocrats, you have the, that means that you have the gentry or the feudal lord of Japan. That's what that looks like. You have the peasant class ruled by an elite wealthy class, the oligarch or the aristocracy, and they would fight amongst each other for vying for power because there was no central power that came later, the shogun. But before that, it was the daimyos. And the daimyos were all about fighting each other for power of who was going to get what province. Because they, they used the peasant class, the people who say, we'll, we'll swear allegiance to this guy. Basically what happened. So that's feudalism. But what if you took democracy and say monarchy? Well, now you're talking about a whole different class of system. You're talking about Russia. You're talking about serfdom. You're talking about a monarch who rules his people. Or if it degenerates into what we now know is Soviet communism. Or Chairman Mao's China. That was a one man who's going to rule it all, who tells the entire, uh, middle, uh, not really middle class, really, it's really the poor class when you think about it, the entire democracy of the people, the mob, and tells the mob, okay, this is what you're going to do. The mob will tell him, and they will be dependent on one another for success. Okay, so now you have democracy and uh, monarchy. What happens if you take the aristocrats and monarchy? Aha! Now you've got European-style feudalism. The gentry class. You have the king and the nobles. And guess who gets the boot? The peasants. The peasants who worked the land who were not allowed to own the land. No, only the gentry class were allowed to own the land. And they were the aristocrats who paid the king. And the king used his army by cobbling together all but the peasants from the gentry class to go to war. The gentry class got shafted under that system. But see, you have two of each kind. So you have democracy, aristocrat, you got feudalism. You got aristocrats and oligarchy, you got the, the peasantry, you got European feudalism, the gentry class. 
And if you take democracy and monarchy, you get Russia or China. But what about republic? Why is, it, why is republic not listed there? Because a republic has all three. It never degenerates into one of those two. It never has a, peer, a, a pairing. It has all three. Now, why people don't understand that, I don't really understand, but I will explain it. The house, and the best way to look at it is a little bit further down in the list, so we're going to go through that one really quickly. But to get to the, the meat of this situation, I want you to look at the Congress, I want you to look at the executive branch, and I want you to look at the judicial branch. Now, in America, it's three branches, but the three that make up the republic exist in the legislature and the executive only. Okay? So, <clears throat> in Congress, you have the House of Legislatures. They are to be elected by the people. They are supposed to be the voice of the people who live in America. The Senate, however, up until the passing of the 18th Amendment, was supposed to be appointed, not elected, appointed from the state legislatures of each independent state. Why? Because they had innate and intimate understanding of that state's needs and wants and desires for that state. New York couldn't give a crap about the beef prices in Texas. California can't give a grass ass about the, uh, well, New York's finances, for example, or their real estate prices. They got their own anyway. They got their own problem. They're more worried about how much pot, how much pot can I grow or avocado or uh, I think the other one is almonds. I don't know. Whereby Texas is worried about its pieces, its beef and the border and Mexico and, and New York. He didn't give a crap about the border or anything like that. But if they're, if they're elected by the people, then they're beholden to the lobbyist. Lobbyist, 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 lobbyist. You want a good job? Go be a lobbyist. Because you'll get paid good money just to shaft the American people. But that's what changed back under Woodrow Wilson, the Progressive Party. They wanted to progress to pass the Constitution and make America from a republic to a democracy. That's why we keep saying American democracy. American democracy is just code word for we are degenerating into communism. But originally, if you had a senator who would not vote in the interest of the state, he could be forcibly recalled by the governor of that state and relieved of his duty and sent back into the state legislature where they will appoint another one to go and represent them at Congress. If we had still that kind of system, Obamacare never would have made it because all 50 states shouted in unison, no. And all senators said, eh, shut up. Because they were beholden to lobbyists. They, weren't behold, they were beholden not to their individual state because they know what's going on in their state, but because whatever the lobbyists fed them. Because they are nothing more now than a secondary house of legislatures. They're not senators who are appointed by governors to represent their individual state. They are there to represent, quote, the people. And people have a difficulty distinguishing it. Because I can send somebody who's a senator 
of the governor who sits in our house and listens to all the talk that goes on there about what our state problems are, appoint him to go represent us in Congress, and because he knows our most intimate details, he knows what's really bothering our state. But if he's just somebody from the people, he doesn't have a clue. And that's why senators have sucked lately. Some of them are getting it right, but most of them suck. They're just no different than the House of Legislatures. Now, now that I covered what a republic is, maybe we should think about getting rid of that particular, or repealing that particular amendment, and actually bring back the appointment of legislators from the state legislature the appointment of senators from the state legislators by governors of their respective state so that each state can have their voice heard and not whatever the lobbyists pay them. Now, here's another one for you. Principle number 13. A constitution should protect the people from the frailties of their rulers. You mean people like Joe Biden who can't remember if he crapped himself? That guy? If angels were governed were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. But lacking these, you must first enable the government to control the governed, and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. Oh, shit. We messed that one up big time. We got controlled all right, but the government can't control itself to save its life. I don't know if anybody noticed the printing press. <laughs> we just inflate our money to non-existent, Oh, well, you know, they do talk about that, too. Principle number 14. Life and liberty are secured only so long as the right of property are secure. People are like, what? That's right. You don't own, if you take away somebody's private property, you not only take away their wealth, you not only take away the way that most people will pass on their wealth, but you also take away their ability to grow food. You take away their ability to get water. If you said, you know what, hey, uh, you have too much land. I'm going to take that from you. Well, wait a minute. You're going to give me any money? No, I'm just going to take it from you. I don't think so. That's theft. Dealing my work, my effort. Here's the thing. John Locke, most people don't know who he is. John Locke reasoned that God gave the earth and everything in it to the whole human family as a gift. And therefore the land, the sea, the acorns in the forest, the deer feeding in the meadow belong to everyone in common. However, this is where your labor comes into play, the moment someone takes the trouble to change something from its original state of nature, that person has added his ingenuity or labor to that, uh, to make that change. Herein lies the secret of the ordinary property rights. Translation, if I labor to improve my land so it produces more fruit for everybody, not just myself, then I am the beneficiary of that. To have it taken from me, however, is theft, and it discourages me from ever improving it. Why would I want to work for something if I know my prop, my the fruit of my labor will be taken away and given to somebody who doesn't work. Now, that should give everybody a pause before they cry out for socialism, before they cry out for communism. Hey, teachers, here's a, here's a, a, a uh, 
interesting exercise, a thought exercise, if you ever want to encourage your kids to, or your students to think. Take away everybody's grades. Let's say you have a test. Take everybody's grade, average them to get, make copies, don't, no, don't actually shaft them. Write down the actual grade. Take the average of their grade and then give it back to the, every single student with that grade on their paper. Watch the reactions they will have. They would desire your head. They would rant and rave. Those who are smart would want to pickfork those who are dumb. Or pickfork you. Why? Because communism, socialism doesn't work. And that's what eventually happened. When communism is ever tried, the people who work the hardest get fed up as people who don't work as hard. Or people who are not as smart. Or who don't have the same gifts as they do for whatever they do. And they're tired of having their labor taken from them, so they turn into seething rage. And then they go and murder the people. That's what happened in Germany. That's what happened in Stalin's Russia. That's what happened in Chairman Mao's China. That's what's happening right now in China. The people get fed up. They start stabbing each other at every point to make that honest buck and hide it from the government because they know the government will take it and distribute it among the masses despite whether they're smart or dumb, whether they're rich or poor, whether they have a bad set of ideologies that cause them to be poor or a good set of ideas that cause them to be rich. Excuse me one second, I need some water. My throat gets tired. Hmm. Let's just move on. Principle 15. The highest level of prosperity occurs when the free market when there is a free market economy and the minimum of government regulation. <coughs> Geez, I wish the government would pay attention, but they don't. Prosperity depends on a climate of wholesome stimulation of four basic freedoms and operation to each other. Operation number one, the freedom to try. For example, my freedom to try to do a media show, that's me trying. My freedom to buy, that is, oh, I may need some equipment to do it. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to be free of my own free will, buy the equipment by which I may try and succeed or fail. I may sell. Okay, maybe I need to sell some products in order to get the money to buy the equipment that I need in order to try to succeed. Then the freedom to fail. Okay, you failed. Get yourself up, dust yourself off, and try again. That's how perseverance is made. That's what brings success. Success is built on perseverance. Be willing to take your failures, learn from them, and get better. To grow, to get stronger, to become more successful. When you get the F on the report card, try harder. Don't quit. Don't, I'm going to go play video games and masturbate while I'm watching the internet. No! Don't do that. Try harder. Don't quit. You can do this. You have it in you. Try. 
Principle 16. The government should be separated into three branches, as I said before. I only gave you the three houses for a reason. Because the third, that last one, the judiciary branch, you don't want that being ruled by any of them. Any of them. Because they use it for nefarious ends. They always have. You give it to a monarch, he will use it to oppress his people. You give it to a communist dictator, he will use it to kill everybody that questions him and make everybody, quote, equal under socialism. Does anybody actually know the meaning of USSR or the People's Republic of China, what that actually stands for? The USSR stands for the Union of the Soviet Socialist Republic. Does anybody understand what the word Nazi Nazi is? Naziel. I think I now I may bot the German in this particular case, and I'm sorry that I do. I don't speak German, but the word Nazi is actually the combination of two words slammed together: nationalism and socialism slammed together to make Nazism. The German Workers Socialist Party which is what Hitler started, he got in control of, the German Workers Socialist Party. Note that word there, socialism, a.k.a. democracy, as Woodrow Wilson so put it evidently when he talked about socialism, he said democracy just sounds easier. It's easier to sell to the American people. But reality, it's just code word for socialism. I call you, and this is from what John Adams had to say when he suggested that the government should be separated into three branches. I call you to witness that I was the first member of Congress who ventured to come out in public as I did in January 1776 in my thoughts on government, in the favor of a government with three branches and independent judiciary. The pamphlet you know was very unpopular. No man appeared in public to support it but yourself. Why? Because they were used to having a king give edicts. They were used to having a king tell them what to do. They wanted a king to rule the people. Not the people rule the people, which is mobocracy. You know, uh, that's kind of like what happened to Jesus. Most people aren't aware of that. Uh, the people pressured the government. The government said, okay, we, we, we're sissies. We're cowards. We'll do what you say. Yeah, okay. Um, aside from all that point, and, uh, the issue was that judiciary should be separated so that the laws could be enforced, not the whims of man. And there is something a little bit more about that. A system, this is principle 17, a system of checks and balances should be adopted to prevent the abuse of power by the different branches of government. That's the whole point. It, the whole government was never designed to function. It was designed to be as dysfunctional as possible. It was designed to keep the democracy people, democracy warring against autocracy and the, the monarch. The autocracy was supposed to war against both of them, and the, and the monarch wants to control both of them. They want control of the wealth and the people and the resources. To put, to put it simple, this is how it all lays up. You've got manpower, resources, and the controlling factor, which is the government. 
or the military or whatever you want to call it. But those three have to be not working in tandem. If they ever work in tandem, you're in deep trouble. Because then they turn on the judiciary and start enforcing laws that are not good or beneficial generationally to anybody. They start enforcing things like prohibition. You know, we really need to get rid of alcohol. We all saw what happened then. Let's try prohibition with weed. And we all saw what happens now. Prohibition doesn't work. The government is not really, it's not, the government looks at the people as if they were are subjects, not citizens. Not something to serve, but something to rule. <coughs> Dang it. I apologize, my allergies are terrible right now. Principle 18. Actually, you know what, let's go, let's go right back to Principle 17, because this is what James Madison had to say about the matter. It is not, it will not be denied that the power, that power is an encroaching nature. Meaning that you can start very little and it will naturally grow. It's like a, a leviathan. It constantly gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It never stops. It never shrinks. And that it ought to be effectually restrained from passing the limits it's assigned to. Limits like, for example, thou shalt not. Do we need to go that route? We can always just say, hey. The right of the people shall not be infringed. Would that one apply? No, not anymore. The right of the people shall not be infringed except under circumstances. Except under this emergency. The right of the people shall to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed except under... That's not what it says. And there's a reason for that that comes out later. Number 18, the unalienable rights of the people are most likely to be preserved if the principles of government are set forth in a written constitution. Hence the reason we haven't changed our government in 200 plus years. Except once, we got rid of the Senate. We altered the Senate from being appointed by the state to being elected by the people. And that's why we're screwed up. If you flip that back, we might actually start stabilizing and be able to turn the corner and turn it around. But I doubt that's going to happen. You're more likely to have a civil war to do that than uh, have a peaceful transition back to proper American government. The structure of the American system is set forth in the Constitution of the United States, and the only weaknesses which have appeared are those which were allowed to creep in despite the Constitution. Uh, a little crisis here, a little crisis there... Never let a crisis go to waste. <laughs> we let it creep in. That's what happened. That's what caused it. Now, it gets worse as time goes on. Yes. But we can fix it if we choose to. Principle 19. Only limited and carefully defined powers should be delegated to a government or all others being retained by the people. That's probably the most powerful thing to the people. The Tenth Amendment is the most widely violated provision of the Bill of Rights. If it had been respected and enforced in America, would be enforced, America would be an amazingly different country than it is today. Why? Because of what it provides. This amendment provides, quote, the power not delegated to the United States by the Constitution 
nor prohibited by it, should uh, by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively and or the people. Hence, for example, abortion. Abortion being passed in Missouri as much as it is in Kansas is being barred in Texas and Louisiana. That's, that is the function of it. It was never allowed to be in the federal government. It was never designed to be codified into law. Now let's move on. Principle 20. Efficiency and dispatch require that the government operate according to the will of the majority, but constitutional provisions must be made to protect the rights of the minority. That's who gets shafted under communism. That's who gets shafted under majority rule. That's what gets shafted under democracy, is the minority. The minority gets the bone. Now, who are the minorities in America? Well, everybody goes, black. Uh, actually, you know what? Um, <laughs> this might surprise some people. But they're not the minority. Not anymore. If you actually took a number, uh, they're getting close to actually becoming the majority. They kind of they kind of tie it out for the Hispanics, at least in my part of the world. But it's only a matter of time before the majority is not white at all, and that's fine. People say, well, that's racist, you know, don't bring that up, that's racist. No, I'm not being racist, I'm being pragmatic about it. At the beginning, it was almost all white. Now it's not. Okay, great. But if we don't fix the system, it's going to be very bad for a lot of people, especially now since you have, quote-unquote, racial tensions. Guess what? The only one pushing racial tensions are the left. The people on the left are pushing racial tensions. Because it creates the class struggle that's needed for communism. Every man, by consent, with, consenting with the other to make one body politic under one government, puts himself under obligation to everyone in that society to submit to the determinations of the majority and to be conc uh, concluded bound by it. Unless it becomes tyrannical. Well, then it's the right of the people to abolish it. And remember, it wasn't a majority that started off the American Revolution. It was a minority that got fed up being minority. They don't tell you that. Principle 21. Strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. This is very, very important, especially in our day and age where our government is so fat and overbloated. The local government is where the real power exists. It can, mar mar it can mobilize that area into a fighting force if necessary. You know, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, to not be in friends, the right of the to keep a well-regulated militia, that stuff. Who is the militia? That's the people. George Mason? <laughs> Yeah, that same entity. Here's why. The way to have a good and safe government is not to trust it at all. Don't trust it to anyone. It says, do not trust... <laughs> safe in government is not to trust it at all to one, but to divide it among the many. 
distributing to everyone exactly the functions he is competent to perform best. Now, Thomas Jefferson had the idea of wards, um, something that, that the Mormon church had kind of taken and used, and that's fine, that, that's their deal. But the premise still holds that you don't put the power in the hands of just one individual, then they become tyrannical, then it corrupts them. If you put it in the hands of multiple and many, for example, you have the federal government, you have the Congress, you have the judiciary branch, executive, con uh, executive legislative, senate, judiciary, that's the federal, then you have the appeal court, and go all the way down that, uh, then you have the state. The state each have a governor and either bicameral or single camel system, in which case they have state senators and state legislatures. And then it goes down to the county. And then you have county sheriffs. These, the reason why is to diversify all that power to make sure it doesn't get in the hands of one. That's the whole premise. A free society. Uh, wait a minute. Okay. Principle 22. A free people should be governed by law, not by the whims of man. See, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention the last 70 years, but it seems like everybody's being ruled by the whims of man and not by law. Otherwise, the majority, not half, the majority of co people in Congress should be in jail for treason against the United States. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. I mean, if you could go down the line of succession of political power, starting with the president, you're going to get pretty far down that line before you find an honest person that's worthy to be a president. You can't get rid of Joe Biden because then you get Kamala Harris. You can't get rid of Kamala Harris because you get Chuck Schumer. You can't get rid of Chuck Schumer because you get Nancy Pelosi. Talk about corruption. It's going one after the other. I'm waiting to see who's going to win. The end of law is not to, and this is why I said you can be free, but you have to be free with self-control, self-governance, self, the ability to restrain oneself, to drink just a bottle of water, not 30 gallons of water, because then you die. Same principle is applied. You may have a drink of alcohol, not the whole keg. You may have one wife, not a thousand, like Solomon. You, you know, the whims of man destroy men. It's simple. It destroys men and women, actually. It destroys men, it makes them into little boys, and then women have to mother the men only to drive the men insane, and then the men kill the women. <laughs> That's usually something how it goes. I don't know. I don't really pay attention all that much in that particular field. I probably should. But the end of law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. It's not to take it away from you. It's to give you as much possible, but prevent you from acting on your whims. I like that more than that person does, so I'm going to take it. No. You know, I really hate that person. I'm going to whack him. No. You know, his property is not being used. I'm going to take it from him. No. Those are whims, and those whims destroy people. 
you know, my wife isn't really that uh, good in bed. I'm going to go find a second one and a third one, a fourth one, a fifth one, and keep going down the line. Then you wonder why you got AIDS and you're, you're on the verge of kicking the bucket. All of the laws, whether you're in, whether you're in the Bible or in society, are designed to help you constrain your whim so you're not ruled by them. The end of law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. For in all the states of created beings capable of laws, there is no law, there is no freedom. You can't have freedom in anarchy. It doesn't happen. Anarchy is a surefire way of destruction. I had somebody suggest anarcho-capitalism, but the problem with that is true freedom is restrained internally. It says, you know what, that guy pissed me off, but I'm not going to go murder him. You know, that guy may, he has a really, really nice truck, but I'm not going to take it. Instead, you know, I'll either buy it from him, and if he says, no, that's okay, I'll go get another one. I'll go build one if I have to. That's free to try, free to do, and free to fail if you fail. It's to control the whims of man. That's why the law is there. Don't do drugs. Why? Because if you do, you can hit what you can hit weed. It started off once a month, and then it became once a week, and then it became once a day, and now I'm stoned twenty four seven. Hello, that's the sign of addictions. And addictions destroy humanity. They destroy freedom. They destroy liberty. For liberty is to be free from restraint and violence of others, which cannot be where there is no law. <clears throat> and we're almost done, so we got five left, but I just want to go ahead and, and put it out there that you think it's bad and it's not. What you think is actually incorrect. And this is designed to help and educate so that maybe, just maybe, if we educate the next generation, we can turn the corner. Because if we don't, this country is finished. And you'll see why at the bottom. Principle 23. A free society cannot survive as a republic without a broad program of general education. I don't know if anybody paid attention to my last video or the video before last. I'm not quite sure in which order I released this in. But I complained about the rise of the stupid. Why did I complain about the rise of the stupid? Because an evil person is just an evil person. He is known for his wickedness. The stupid, however, are used by the wicked people to do wicked deeds. It's not the evil person that's the most dangerous. It's the stupid that don't know the difference. That's the danger. That's the worry. That's the concern. And I don't know if anybody paid attention to their history classes, at least in my generation, but the last time I checked, slaves were not supposed to be educated because if a slave class got educated, they would revolt against their masters. They would cast off the rulers and become self-governed, self-rulers and principal men. Because their principles from a learned and educated mind would say, you have no right over me, you're just like me. Freedom comes from an educated mind. But if you dumb down America, 
You can enslave them because they're too stupid to know they're enslaved. And apparently the founders knew this too. Here's what uh, John, John Adams said. They made an early provision by law that every town consisting of so many families should always be furnished with a grammar school, a.k.a. reading and writing. They made it a crime for such a town to be destitute of a grammar schoolmaster for a few months and subjected it to a heavy penalty, so that the education of all ranks of people was made the care and the expense of the public in a manner that I believe has been unknown to any other people, modern or ancient. Translation, the ancient world up until John Adams' time, which is in 1765, this is when it was written, were stupid. They were illiterate. They didn't know how to read. They didn't know that they were free to be truly free. They were told what to do. They were told by the Catholic Church what to do. They were told by the kings what to do via edicts or edits, depending on how you pronounce it. That's the whole premise. If you have a dumb class, they are easily enslaved. If you have an educated class, they are very difficult, if at all, to enslave. Because slavery comes from a weak mind. Educate the mind, make it strong, and you can't be enslaved. However, have a weak mind or a foolish mind, and you're completely obliterated. That was one of the reasons why it said if they declared themselves to be an atheist, they have forfeited their right to exercise reason and observation. Now, a native, and this is what John Adams continued, he said, a native of America who cannot read and write is as rare as a comet or an earthquake. And that was written in 1765. It gives you an idea what was important. Liberty, the heart of liberty, ladies and gentlemen, is found in this. The Bible. Now, this is a particular version of the Bible that I have. I cannot find this, okay? This, I only have one copy of this Bible, okay? All of human, all of the laws that we are living by are found in here. All of them. Any other law, and this is also, I'm going to give you a little bit extra about law later. Um, in a different video, I'm going to cover 28 in rapid concession in another video. I wanted to explain in depth this one. But before, I, but before I go, all the laws are found in the Bible. But so is the cure for our society's ill. But let's get into the last four or, four or five if you're counting. Um, a free people will not survive unless they stay strong. I don't know. Anybody uh, noticed any of all the sissies lately who can't, hey, I got a broken fingernail. I have a story to tell. This is a man, and it, this is a true story. You can go find it on the internet. It's been said before. If, you, if you're a conservative, you probably know his name who's telling the story about his dad. He was sitting at a domino table, and they were playing dominoes. His dad suddenly gets up in the middle of the domino table goes outside, gets a pair of pliers, goes back into the bathroom, he hears an audible crunch, come back out with his tooth in hand, 
throws the tooth away, grabs the beer, drinks a sip, sits back down at the table and resumes playing dominoes like nothing happened. Dang! Okay, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to remove a permanent tooth, but I hear it hurts a lot. That's a strong person. That used to be a sign of manliness means that you can handle pain. Pain does not make you weak. You're like, okay, I can toughen up. I got a little bit in me. I can handle this. I can man up. I can take that needle. And like, no, keep it away from me. No. Man up. Be a little strong. Have a little strength. It's okay. It doesn't hurt as much as you think. Unless they're completely, uh, I don't know. Let's take this uh, turkey baser. And, no. <laughs> but you never know. Depends on, you know, I remember uh, worrying at one point that they were going to have to start using industrial drills at the dentist's office. Yeah, do not use that, but people do weird things in desperate times. Now, to be, and this is what George Washington had to say about a free people having to stay strong. To be prepared for war is the most effectual means of preserving peace. As long as people think you're, you're interested in kicking somebody's ass, they're going to leave you alone. They're not going to mess with you. Principle 25 is just right out and this is what everybody should have paid attention. Hello, Congress. Listen to the wisdom of those who came before you, you idiot. Peace and commerce and honest friendships with all the nations. Entangling alliances with none of them. Principle 25. Let us not get entangled. I'm not going to go fight for NATO. You know what? NATO wants to go fight a world war over Ukraine. Let them. But keep us the hell out of it. We have no business being over there. Hey, let's trade with Russia and Ukraine. Eh, we got to support. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need to stop doing that. Stop being entangled in alliances because that only pulls you into their problems. It only pulls you into their issues. That's like sticking your head into a problem that wasn't yours to begin with simply because your friend's having a problem. My friend's fighting with his wife. Should I go punch his wife? Tell her to shut up? No! Instead, I sit down, I have a beer, and I watch the, the uh, resulting conversation and it turns out to be kind of comical. That's what I do. Principle 26. The core unit which determines the strength of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect its integrity. <laughs> I got news for you. Has anybody ever wondered why the left is so busy targeting the family? They destroyed marriage by saying same-sex marriage, same-sex marriage. No. The Bible didn't say Adam and Steve. And by the way, if you put Adam and Steve on an island, they will not have children. They do not procreate. So the whole point of marriage is meaningless. Marriage is a societal contract designed to foster the best of both genders, which brings something unique to the, to the program of parenthood. Men cannot be nearly as nurturing as a mother who picks up a child and puts it to her breast. Physically impossible. Doesn't matter if you give him a bunch of pills that make him not take. That And besides, not only is that freaking disgusting and perverse beyond measure, 
But that also denies the uniqueness of womanhood, of womanhood. Women are to be cherished and loved and appreciated. Understand they are weaker physically. I don't know if anybody noticed, but a woman cannot lift a car. Most men can if they get angry enough. Now, I say that in a time period where most men are now couch potatoes and fat asses. I know I'm kind of getting a little language barrier going on here, and I'm pissing some liberals off. But here's the simple fact. Unless you are an Olympic athlete as a woman, I don't foresee you picking up the Honda when it flips off the jack. However, I can see a man doing that. Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Twins, that little scene where he picks up the Cadillac with Danny DeVito in it, is genuine. That was not artificially done. He did lift it himself. He talked about the difficulty of it in one of his documentaries. But people, for some reason, don't acknowledge the difference between men and women. When the Bible said that women are weaker, it's not referring to uh, biology or something. It's referring, well, it actually is to some extent, but it's referring to the physical nature. Women physically just can't do the physicalness of the man. A man physically can lift more per pound of muscle than a woman can. And that is because testosterone results in muscle building, especially the hydrotestosterone, which is only produced in men and cannot be produced in women. It is what causes this. I hate having that. I hate being bald because of it. But I have to have it because I produce a lot of it. And as a result, that makes me unusually strong. I don't like, I mean, it's okay to be strong. But you know what? It's also very difficult when I need to be tender to bring in that enormous amount of strength. I'm like a thoroughbred horse that's very difficult to control. Women, on the other hand, are like the other end of that spectrum. I'm a natural, and the reason comes back from our ancestors. If anybody noticed, but before civilization, man was pretty much left to fight the wild. Animals would like to eat man. Okay? And women protect the child. While the man fought the animals. Well, naturally, men would need a lot more muscle to, to fight a bear or a lion versus a woman who needs to carry her child and run away or climb a tree. Sure, they're physically fit, but they each bring something unique. Man brings his instinctual instinct to protect. When he goes into a house, he's not thinking about the colors of the wall and the carpet. He's thinking about whether that grass needs to be so tall so that nobody knows there's a house behind it, or, and that's a form of laziness, I might add, or it needs to be, you know, he needs to know where the kill zones are. So he knows, well, somebody can try to get in that window right there. I need to make sure I put this over here and that over there so I can whack him as soon as he steps in that window. When a woman's like, oh, I wonder what kind of wallpaper I should put in here. Different mindset, different body, different biologies. Each bringing something very unique to what we call the parental experience. It is why marriage is important. It's why family is important. You want to know what's going on with the African-American community? You don't have to look far. 
In the 1960s, the average American black American, the black household, stood at 23% fatherless. After uh, uh, London B. Johnson's war on poverty, guess what? That ballooned from 23% single mother household to 73% was the last number I looked at. And that was a couple years ago. 73% of all black families have single mother household. What do you think that does to the kids who don't have a father figure? They grow up, they don't become men because there's no man to be noticed. And they grow up as little emperors because women are not known for their, dis for their discipline. It was always the heavy hand of the father that was the rod of correction. It was always the mother's nursing and hug when the father beat the child too hard that would nourish that child back to health and give him confidence to understand that his father doesn't hate him. His father just wants the best of him, but realizes that there needs to be a heavy rod of correction to stop him from doing something dangerous like, oh, I don't know, jumping off a building, shooting the cop, uh, doing drugs, uh, raping women, uh, robbing a liquor store. You can see the society's ill based on largely that it's because of father, fatherlessness. You have a lot of men out there who want to do the pump and run. Marry them. Get to marrying them and don't get divorced for whims. 50% of the people in America are divorcing now because society said, hey, divorce is a good thing. It's not working out. Just go get another one. That's what's leading to this problem fraying at the, the end. You want to solve it? Fix the family. You want to solve America? Go back to the foundation. When America is broken, go back to the foundation. Look at the foundation. That's where you start again. Here's the one that I said was going to be mentioned, and it was kind of important. Principle 28, the burden of debt is as destructive to human freedom as subjugation by conquest. Has anybody paid attention to our debt? By the time that Joe Biden gets it down a thousand dollars, or a, a, a trillion dollars, as he says, which is in the year 2032, the U.S. national debt is projected to be $58 trillion. <laughs> For every dollar that America brings in, and this is, I'm giving you a quote from 2008. We can go back further if we need to, but this is 2008. I'm going to give you a quote that I, that I heard. For every U.S. dollar that the U.S. government takes in, for every $20, or every $19 it gets, it spends 20 That's now, for every $9 it gets, it spends 20 We just, they just talked about the Omnibus bill, $1.7 trillion, and it's for like a three-month period or whatever. They said in, in, in total, the Deficit is a trillion dollars. It's one point. It's like one point three trillion dollars or something for the last year only. That will destroy us. 
That's America's Achilles heel. Destroy the dollar, no more America. Destroy American credit, no more America. And you know what? In some ways, that might not be a bad thing because then we can start at the ground level again. Like I said, if America breaks, start at the beginning again. Go back to what worked. Go back to the very beginning. Which, uh, it doesn't have to go very far. All you got to do is read this. And uh, may I recommend this? Okay. We are bound to defray expenses of the war within our own time and are unauthorized to burden posterity with them. We shall consider ourselves morally bound to pay them ourselves and consequently within the life expectancy of the majority. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Translation. If you take on debt, if you take on debt, that generation must pay it. You don't pass it on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. You don't do it. Because you understand that passing it on to the next generation only adds to that next generation burden. And so you're burdening them to pay it off. Well, guess what? My generation's not interested in paying $57 trillion. My generation isn't. We'll pay a little bit on it. You know, uh, as Cedric the Entertainer, before the election of Barack Obama, swore that no black man would ever become president because he didn't know how to handle debt. That was, now, he was making a joke, and there's nothing wrong with the joke. I laughed. I thought it was kind of funny. But then I started thinking, and I said, well, what if a black man was president? Right, we had Barack Obama, and what did he do? Did he pay down our debt? Hmm. No, the last thing I read, that he uh, passed Obamacare and ran through multi-trillion dollar bills that were equal to the, the one that Donald Trump was forced to pass in order to pay for COVID. Donald Trump tried to pay down our debt. Before COVID, we were paying on our debt. We were having surpluses. We were having a roaring economy that was going to support paying our debt off. Not anymore. We were a net exporter of oil. We've never been that before in our history. But under Donald Trump, we became a net exporter of oil. We didn't have to import any more oil. We didn't have to buy more. We instead sold so that we could pay our debt. What a great idea. Discharged the debt. Think about how wealthy we would be if we discharged the debt, if we drunk our government. They won't do that. Not a, not a chance. No way. No liberal would ever do that because they are addicted to spending money that they don't have. They shoulder the burden on the next generation as if they care. They spend most of their time avoiding the next generation. They spend their time whacking the next generation and not having kids to even shoulder the next generation. Man, it would suck to be a baby boomer. Principle 28 and this is what I would say sums up America, but also gives us a grave, grave warning. Principle 28. The United States has a manifest destiny to be an example and a blessing to the entire human race. 
The founders sensed that from the very beginning they were on a divine mission. Their great disappointment was that it didn't all come to pass in their day, but they knew that someday it would. John Adams wrote, I always considered the settlement of America with reverence and wonder as the opening of a grand scene and designed in providence for the illumination of the ignorant and the emancipation of a slavish part of mankind all over the earth. Yes. But, he probably didn't foresee the foolishness that America would go down later. Yes, America was that blessing. But it hasn't been the last 70 years. It's been slowly marching down the path of self-destruction into communism. And guess what happens? If, a ma if we had what they believed to be a manifest destiny and a, to be a blessing, if we flip the script, we're not a blessing, we're a curse. To the entire human race. That should give us a pause. That should give us a concern. That should give us a desire to um, do what is right. The one thing that we can do to what is right is as parents bring up the next generation with the correct knowledge that it needs to solve the problems of our nation. One is this. Another is Bible. Without the Bible, without the laws and the precepts in the Bible, without this and the principles of liberty, life, liberty, property, if I take your life, it's murder. If I take your property, it's death. If I take you, it's slavery. If we don't instill that in the next generation and the principles of the Bill of Rights and the principles of liberty and the Bible, it's finished. American exceptionalism is finished. America, which is supposed to be a blessing to the world, which until recently has been, will become a curse to the world. We're already getting that. I don't know if anybody's paying any attention, but most of the world is looking like, you know, I wonder what the world would be like if we didn't have America. Maybe we should just get rid of her. Maybe we should all gang up and just take her away. Might want to give a pause about that, ladies and gentlemen, to think about what that might mean. We have a responsibility to the next generation to discharge our debt. We have a responsibility to the next generation to raise them right, to be as parents, take control of what they want, see, hear, and do, to help them understand, so as a man thinks, so he is. We have a responsibility to teach them the law of the harvest. Whatever a man sows in his mind, so shall he reap in his mind. If he plants good things, he will get good things. If he plants bad things, he will get bad things. That has to become principle. Otherwise, the next generation is done. There won't be another generation afterwards for America. Or maybe even the entire world. Because America has nuclear weapons, and so does Russia, and so does China. And they might... In the process, nuke the entire planet. All you have to have is a corrupt, truly corrupt and wicked set of people. One generation is all it takes to plunge the world, not into just a third world war, but a genocidal third world war. It's one thing to fight country after country and fight each other into a world war that doesn't have to go nuclear. It doesn't have to go biological. It doesn't have to go chemical. But if it's corrupt enough, it's wicked enough, then that will not restrain them. 
they will use those weapons of mass destruction to exterminate human life in a very, very catastrophic and large scale. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed this enlightening uh, educational video. I didn't mean to go into doomsday uh, at the end here, um, but I am a firm believer that, yes, we are supposed to be a blessing to the world, but we aren't anymore. I'm a firm believer that something has gone off the rails, say, about 70 years ago. And I believe that if action, corrective action is not taken, America as we know it, as she has been a blessing to the world, will come to an end. When George Washington sat in the halls of Congress after the, con the, second, the, second, the second Continental Congress came to a close and they passed the Constitution, he looked at the back of his hair and said, well, what were you thinking the whole time? He said, if we were talking to somebody, and that somebody said, you know, I was looking at the sun on the back of that chair, and I was asking myself if it was a rising sun or a setting sun. And he goes, well, what's your verdict? And he said, I tell you indeed that it was a rising sun. Ladies and gentlemen, without corrective course, without being proper parent, without taking responsibility, that, setting, that rising sun will be a setting sun, and it will be the end of America. It will be the end of liberty. It will be the end of freedom. It will begin the, the new serfdom of American people. America, who not, have not known slavery, will know slavery. A people who have not known evil will themselves be evil. We have an opportunity. I happen to believe that we still have time. But time ticking. Just like everybody else's clock. We are all winding down. We are all born to die. The question will be is how? And the question will be what do we leave the world looking like when we leave? For the atheists, they don't care. Then maybe they should care about this. Let's try to leave the world better today. And better tomorrow than we did than we got it. We got it when the age of decadence in my generation, and from what I can tell, it degenerated into even worse. I don't want to leave this world to my kids, where people are screaming racism and screaming bigotry and calling people names and and don't have any dignity. Which is why I'll have another educational video coming out later, not only rapid firing this, but also giving a little bit more information information about what God says concerning everything. In the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, educational video. If you did, hit the like button. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. And uh, I will talk to you guys later. Anyway, good evening. God bless. And good night.